Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is an amazing day to be here with you. I'm super, super excited to have this young lady on the show today because I've been trying to get her on for months, and she has finally slowed down and has the time to be here, so I am ecstatic. Just to tell you a little bit about her, she is a danceaholic, travelista, and fitness guru that makes healthy living and positive energy contagious. Her energy is very contagious. Like, she just brightens up my life whenever I even see a picture of her. I just know and I can feel her energy through that. Not to mention when I see her in person, even if it's just in passing, I'm inspired and excited about my life and hers as well. She's a certified personal trainer, group exercise instructor, and health and wellness coach. After losing 50 pounds and transforming her lifestyle, Her mission is to help individuals, groups, and organizations live happier and healthier lifestyles. She believes that our health physically, mentally, and spiritually is so important for our growth and stability. Originally from Ghana, she and her mother, who is the founder of KukuaFitness.com, organize yearly fitness and cultural excursions to different countries in Africa and teach fitness and dance classes locally and internationally. Visit AfricaWithUs.com to learn more. But also the Kukuwa African dance workout that she and her mother uh, our master trainers at is a workout that allows you to travel Africa without your passport through music and dance. And you can also become a certified coach in Kukua as well. So without further ado, let's find out how they get people to move their boomsies around the world. Africa style. Create your life family. Please welcome Miss Coach Cass Fit. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me go ahead and say your name correctly. I call her Coach Cash Fit all the time, but her <laughs> actual name is Cassandra Nuama. Did I say it right? Well done, well done. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So I'm so excited that I got that right. But Kev is right. Coach Cash Fit is my handle on 
Instagram and YouTube. So that's my alias on on Instagram or YouTube, Coach Cast Fit. But I use it in real life. I'm always like, "Hey, Coach Cast Fit." Because he's because he's special. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a nickname too. She gave me a nickname. So, okay, so Cass, jumping straight out there, you are a New York City transplant. Can you tell us about your journey growing up in the DMV and actually making it to NYC? I came here to NYC back in 2006, so it's been a little over 12 years now. So I guess I could call. New York kind of home I guess when you pass the 10 year mark but growing up in DC area people always think DC is like a happy medium between New York and the south and I guess it is but you have a love-hate relationship with New York either you love it or you hate it either you love to ride a subway or you don't either you like to carry all your groceries in your hand or you don't Either you like uh, washer and dryer in your house or you don't. There's certain things of, that I had to get used to when I first moved here. And I really like it now. It's a great place. You know, I grew up in D.C. area, but New York has become my new home, per se. Okay. Love it. Love it. How do you feel growing up with African parents in America has shaped you? Because you're originally from Ghana. Yes. It's grounded me culturally. I know that there's certain things growing up that we would do if we lived in Ghana, but we do when we're living here, such as all my mom's friends or anybody who's older than me is auntie all my dad's friends are uncle when i cook i cook for everyone not just me and those are things that are also similar in the southern culture too i mean we're all the same people so i think with that and then even knowing i know the local language in ghana i know tree and fenty and a little bit of Ghana, but knowing the local language and then culturally just certain things family wise i think that grounded me okay Love it. So now you travel the world and you show people your country on trips from your business called Africa with us. Can you enlighten us about your trips and, you know, what they entail? I want to know about the food and everything. Sure. Africa with us even started because our fitness brand, Kukua Fitness, allows people to travel Africa through music and dance. And so because people are allowed to travel through music and dance, we're like, why not take them literally to Africa? Our trips are usually two weeks. It entails fitness, it entails dance, it entails amazing food, it entails community service, local activities. The big, the biggest thing that stand out about our trips is that you get to feel like a local. Because everywhere we go, if it's not our country, if it's not Ghana, and it's somewhere else, we have friends and family in that country. So you'll be going to auntie's house for dinner, you'll be going to a local barbecue, you'll be learning how to cook and make local foods, you'll be dancing on the beach with a traditional and modern Afrobeat, you'll be going into the local village a village that either we grew up in or our family or friends know and actually you could see what you're giving and doing sometimes you give community service wise and you don't see it but on our trips you actually get to go in the village and see exactly what you're doing and giving another thing on our trips is that you get to know history whether it's your history or if you're not from the diaspora about our history you really get to dive into that we make sure that you know the parallels between africa and the diaspora and here and you get to meet new people we're not just all clicked off in a group. You get to meet locals. You get to meet other transplants. Um, you get to learn a lot of the local languages and traditions. I can't talk about it enough. I know it's our trip, but it's just so amazing. And I, I travel a lot. And I was like, people have to experience this amazing joy, this culture, this experience. Like, we can't keep this to ourselves. So, yeah, you come to Africa with us. You're going to get epic time. Good food, great dancing, working out, community service, and culture. I love that. 
And what you're, when you just said all of that, what you're inspiring me to think about is a lot of times people don't share their culture or don't make it readily available for others to come in and experience. What inspired you, your mom, and your sister to go ahead and say, you know what, we want to open this up and we want other people to have this experience, especially those who are of the African diaspora, you know, to really be able to come back home to Africa and connect. Because you you don't know what you don't know. A lot of people are not going not because they don't want to. It's because they just don't know or they don't know somebody there. So if we could be that gateway or we could be that bridge for somebody to go, then why not? We were able to, my parents and generations were brought here and we learned about American culture and European culture and all those cultures. Mm -hmm. So why not learn about ours and make it available to others to do the same? And are you first generation? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Just was very curious about that. Uh, originally, you wanted to work at the IMF or the World Bank, but saw Boomerang, the movie, <laughs> and it changed the course of your life and inspired you to work in another field. Can you tell us about that experience and, you know, what you were studying <laughs> and, you know, how this all came about? Yeah. So um, undergrad, I went to University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I studied economics because I wanted to work at the World Bank or the IMF. And the reason I wanted to work there, because at the time I really felt like I could work there and help to manage how third world countries, specifically in Africa, got money to handle their infrastructure, their roads, their schools, all of that. That was my path. I took all the finance classes, all the finance internships, economics. That was my path. Until my junior year, I was watching Boomerang One Night featuring Eddie Murphy and Robin Gibbons and some other people. Halle Berry. Halle Berry and mad people that you might recognize. But anyway, um, they were working in advertising and I knew nothing about advertising. And I'm not to, not to say that that is the true representation of what advertising is, right. but it just seemed hella fun. I was like, I want to work in something in a field like that. Mm -hmm. So at the next career fair, when one of the biggest agencies called Ogilvy came to the campus, I just asked them about their internship program, but it was motivated from watching Boomerang and Stranger motivating that perfume. Right, Grace Jones. <laughs> right. <laughs> the commercial which she gave birth. <laughs> right. So they would ask me on my interview, like, you know, we looked at your resume, you have all these finance internships, you're do, like economics bound. What made you all of a sudden switch to advertising and I said oh it was have you heard of a movie called Boomerang <laughs> and depending on who I'm, who I'm talking to right. they heard of it and they, of course they heard right, of Eddie Murphy right, or right. whatnot but anyway um that's kind of how I got into advertising but I've always been in health and fitness because my mother mm -hmm. rewind she actually she was pregnant with me broke her water in the middle of class teaching class with me so I was born into it for lack of a better word I just wasn't always oh, on that real? path <laughs> you was always into it, literally. Right. Like, your mom was doing right. that like literally born into it, <laughs> but I wasn't always on that path. Mm -hmm. And I can go into more into that. But um, in school, I taught in class at the local rec center. Like that's how I made money while I was an undergrad. I taught kukwa dance at the local rec center to make money. That was still while I was pursuing the economics thing. And then I switched over into advertising. Mm -hmm. And even when I first moved into New York, I taught at literally every gym in the city from Gold's to Bally's to Reebok to New York Sports. Every gym in the city, I pretty much have taught there or touched. So I was always into it. I would leave during my lunch break and go teach. I would go after work and go teach. And this was while I was working in advertising, but I was still teaching. And that was like my side thing. But let me rewind because I was literally born into it. But I said I wasn't always on that path. I wasn't always on that okay. path because you know how you're a 
if you're a pastor's child and you don't want anything to do with the church. Yeah. I was kind of that way, but with more with food. I was like, pass me the Twinkie, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to hear it. I, would, I was active. I loved to dance. I played basketball. I ran track. I did all of that. 50 pounds heavier. But after practice, I would want a whole thing of Krispy Kremes or I would want pancakes or I want whatever. And the way my body is set up and my metabolism is set up, I can't necessarily do that. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until later. But anyway, like Kev said in my when he was introducing me earlier, I lost 50 pounds. So I was doing all these things. I ran pen relays. I played basketball in high school, did intramurals in college, did all of that bigger. And I was and like, I'm just saying a, 50 pounds heavier. What What is that weight? That 180. Okay. And yeah. how tall are you? 5'4". Five, 5'4". Four. Five, four. 180. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm 130 now, 30-ish, depending mm -hmm. on what day you ask me. Yeah, so I was doing all that bigger, and I'm like, oh, I'm just a big girl. I'm big boned, whatever you want to call it. And my mom was like, no, you're not. You're actually just not paying attention to what I'm telling you, and you need to get your life together food-wise and be more, more of a healthy mindset. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, my sister, she has lupus. She got diagnosed with lupus when she was 11. My sister's 33 now. Mm -hmm. She got diagnosed with lupus when she was 11. When she was 18, the doctors gave her two weeks to live. Literally, we picked out caskets. I still have her eulogy written out. Like, it was real. My mom was like, they said she's going to die already. I might as well try what I know. My mom is really into holistic health. Mm -hmm. And she would go to holistic health conferences and learn about how people get healed from cancer and how people get healed from different different dr drastic diseases through health and wellness. So she read, um, she went to the conference about juicing, about eating correctly, about detoxing, all of these things. She said, let me try it. They said, I'm going to, my daughter's going to die. Let me try what I know already. So literally in the middle of the night, she's like, Cass, we're leaving the hospital. We didn't get permission to leave. She's like, take the IVs on her arm. We're leaving. I'm like, what are you doing? What's going on? My dad's like, why don't we just listen to the doctor? And my mom was like, the doctor says she's dying. Like, we have to go. So the police actually came to our house and was like, if she dies, that's on your hands. Even though they said she was going to die already. And my mom was like, well, you said she's going to die. Let me try what I know. So took her off every, all the steroids, all the medications that they had her on. My sister is 88 pounds. She's paralyzed from the waist down. She has eczema all over her body. She has like three strands of hair. I mean, she's literally li like living dead. Like she looks like you could see skeletons everywhere. Really hard time for our family. My mom took off work. My dad was there too. My mom only gave her veggie, juiced veggies and water like every hour on the hour. She was juicing for her. And sometimes my sister vomited. Sometimes she diarrhea. Sometimes she kept it down. But some of those nutrients were definitely going in because in like a month, my sister stood up from the wheelchair. First of all, she passed the two-week mark that she was supposed to die. And Dr. Doomsday and all those people were like, oh, what's going on? What Dr. Are you guys Doomsday? Doing? That's what my mom called them. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lady Kate. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Lady Kate. So my mom's name is Kukua, and that's the name of our fitness business, but she also goes by Lady K sometimes too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Lady K said, you know, Dr. Doomsday and all of you people, like you're here preaching death and I know what I need to do. And so she did what she did, what she learned, which was the holistic way through juicing, through detoxing, only water, only veggies. And my sister, within a month, she stood up. Then her hair started to grow back. She gained like 15 pounds. I mean, and this was before my eyes, my like Twinkie donut everyday self. I'm like, 
All right. And mind you, I'm doing all of this. I'm still active, but I'm pre-diabetic, mad bumps on my face. Um, My menstrual cycle was like out of control, rolling on the floor, almost going to the hospital every month. And that's because my diet was a mess. Like I thought I could out-exercise my diet. And it wasn't even just about weight. It was really about being healthy. And it took my sister nearly dying and my mom saving her the health and fitness way. Now, more more even health-wise, because fitness-wise is part of it, but health, meaning nutrition, for me to see that, for me to want to change my life too. So because of that, I enrolled in a, a program called Institute of Integrative Nutrition. Um, and I studied over a hundred different dietary theories and different ways in which food affects your body and the breakdown of it. And not just food, but emotions and the whole pie of your life so like fitness is one pie and then relationships is another pie career is another pie finance is another piece of the pie so all these pieces make the pie and I liked that school a lot because it's not like I just went to nutrition school I feel like I went to a holistic nutrition experience and so for me it really trained me to be more of a coach and that's how I came about with the alias coach cast because I'm able to coach people into being their best self so yes fitness wise yes nutrition wise but also positive energy Energy, also motivating, also inspiring. But that's how it happened. I was conceived in a fitness class. <laughs> I didn't always follow the path until my sister got deathly ill. Then I saw it change in front of my eyes. I decided to change my life, went back to school to get more knowledge on how to do that and became certified as a trainer as well. And then became health coach, fitness coach, positive energy coach, dance teacher. Always been dancing, but also took additional training in that as well. I've done tap, I've done jazz, I've done modern, I've done contemporary, I've done all different types as well. That's why I'm Coach Cass. I just coach you to like be and see your best self, basically, but more in the fitness and health realm. How is Samantha doing now? She's very well. She actually, she teaches as well, more children. Mm -hmm. She does like after school program teaching. She also does uh, event planning too. Mm -hmm. She's very creative. Um, She was actually just here this weekend in New York visiting, but- um, Living her best life. Yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. (laughs) That's exactly what she's doing. So Samantha is uh, Cass's- Sister, yes. uh, create your life family just to clear that up because I'm just throwing out names. You know <laughs> I mean? Yeah, and we're only 22 months apart, so we're pretty close. I always think of her as like my little sister, but she's going to be 34 this year, so she's not like so little, but I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so your mom is your business partner. Your sister is your business partner. How do you balance keeping the family business on one side or turning on and off the entrepreneur and family switch? How do y'all balance that? It has always been a struggle, but it got easier when we have brought other people in on the team mm. that are not our family, like, you know, business wise, but that aren't our immediate family that we're, you know, liable and responsible to other people to get things done and making mm-hmm. sure that things are professional and whatnot. So involving people outside of us mm-hmm. really helped. And then just us really having the same drive to want something to be successful. So we all are like, party starters and always want to go out and do this and do that but at the end of the day if we have something to do we have a goal to get done Mm -hmm. we all have that same drive and that same mindset me and lady k could be out at a beach party somewhere and then she's like Kaz, did you do the invoices for da 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 da?" i'm like oh my gosh i forgot okay let's leave let's go do it (laughs) stuff like that like it immediately i switch into like okay this is important this needs to get done but we also have our fun time too but involving people that aren't part of our immediate circle Mm -hmm. with meetings with reports and proposals and whatnot that helps us stay on track yo how did your mom instill in you 
this work ethic, even though you were going through your rebellious phase, it still sounds like the fitness was a part of life, mm -hmm. right? So talk to us a bit about your mom and, you know, your dad as well and the values that they were instilling in you all in order to become who you are now. Because, I, I mean, to have that close-knit family business, that means that there's a great relationship going on mm -hmm. there, you know, parentally. So, yeah, um, I I actually really thank God for my parents, both my mom and my dad, because success was not an optional thing. Mm -hmm. Doing well, going to school and whether you went for higher education, whatever you did, you better do it well and you better make us proud kind of thing. My dad is full of parables, especially African parables. And he would always say time and tide waits for no one, Gas, meaning like life is going to pass you by if you don't make sure you get on your I don't I'm not going to curse. <laughs> your A game. Your A -game yes. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I am not going to curse. No matter what is happening, time is always going to be ticking, but you better be making moves while it's ticking right. um, and don't disappoint me that was another thing too like don't come look me in my face and tell me you can't do this or you can't do that because we've both worked so hard to get you where you are and you know you've never had to suffer in the way that we did growing up so don't give me an excuse this type of thing did you so, hear a lot from your parents about the struggles that they had to endure mm -hmm. uh, on their way coming over and to get here uh. yeah so it was kind of like that's why it was like don't even try to tell me you have excuses because mm -hmm. we put you in a position where you don't have any excuses so you have no other option but to make it happen but to do well we put you in certain schools and this and that and you know put you in every activity you ever wanted to do and more and you know my dad was at every PTA meeting he was at every finish line at track every basketball game everything I really can't think of as soon as me as my sister turned 16 we got our cars we got this we got I mean I can't think of anything that I didn't have or want and they also made us work like I got my first job when I was 14 at Sears Portrait taking pictures Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't like everything is handed to you. Like, you paid for stuff. I had to pay my car insurance. I was 16. I had to pay my everything, gas, this and that. Like, so there was a, a work ethic and then also constantly bringing us back and forth to Ghana, other countries, traveling all the time to see, you know, people don't have it easy. So you better be grateful. Mm -hmm. So exposing us to travel. I think our first trip, I could remember maybe when we were like three. I remember traveling or maybe two. I can't remember. But So was Sam here or no? Yeah, Sam was Sam is twenty two months different from me. But my mom, we always were traveling all the time. But to see by the age of like six to have gone to like three continents already and I can't even remember how many countries, like we saw so many before being spoiled and saying, I want this Barbie and I want this and I want that. Then not even caring if we had a TV, not caring if I had a Barbie or not. Not like it really put things in perspective. Wow. And so the travel, which I'm going to do with my kids too, is make sure that they get out of America and see other continents and see other, you know, and even in America too, like seeing that everybody lives differently. Everybody has different opportunities and you just better be grateful for what you have and work with what you have. Even if you didn't get what other people had, you need to just be grateful and, and be resourceful. And that was another thing they thought it taught us too, to be resourceful because we weren't the richest family, but they made us feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really instilled that like work ethic and that you're not going to be, it was just not an option not to do well. Like you better do well. Whatever it is. If you're going to be a trash man, you better be a best trash man. Mm -hmm. You better own that trash company and you better like, you know, it doesn't really matter what you did, but you better do it well. Right. Do it well or not at all. Yeah. So how many continents have you been to? It's Asia and Africa 
in Australia and North America, of course. No, I'm, I, North America, Europe. I've never been to Antarctica. Yeah, so five. Okay, so still going. Are you so, you gonna do all seven? I know you are. I, you're but you. I, you know, I have no desire to go to very cold places. <laughs> I don't I'm like with it. you on that. But I'm just, saying you just gotta touch. But down, you gotta spend touch it, right? <laughs> like, Cass is like. Cass is like a superhero creature life fam. So I'll be like, oh, Cass, have you ever done this? And she'd be like, yeah, well, I used to such and such. And it's like a super one-up. I'm like, oh, Cass, do you know how to swim? Yeah, I used to be a lifeguard to save you. <laughs> of course you were. Oh, Cass, have you ever, you know, been to this place? Yeah, I was there teaching monks how to <laughs> blink. And he's like, okay, well, you know, this is <laughs> Cass. <laughs> you oh, know? my God. So, you know, Cass gonna Cass. How they be like, uh, <laughs> Steph Curry, Steph gonna Steph, Cass gonna Cass. I can't. And you know what I mean? Wow, Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. So, Cass, uh, how did your career in advertising help you as an entrepreneur? Um, and who are some of the brands that you work with, too? I don't want to sleep on that. It's another Cass gone Cass type <laughs> situation. Tell us. So, my very first campaign I worked on was the Dove campaign. I don't know. You guys might remember with all the women with different sizes in there and their panties and bra. And it was like, everybody doesn't have to be a size two. That was like my first campaign that I worked on. Worked on Dove, Unilever in general. Um, worked on Monster.com, the job yeah. website. Worked on General Electric, GE. Worked on Snickers. Worked on Vlasic Pickles randomly worked on American Express was very crucial in my growth as well too why so because I did massive projects in India for them and I was in India for some time Mm. and they really gave me a lot of responsibility and I was only 24 at the time and to be leading like crews of hundreds of people and for them even in India has a very high heavy caste system and for me to be so dark and to be leading people that believe that I should be at the bottom of the caste system wow was a very eye-opening enlightening awkward yet cool experience Hmm. And a funny story. So when I first get to India in Delhi at the Amex headquarters, so this is when Amex kind of comes full circle because my first big project at Amex was the Plum Card, which is a card for small business owners. Okay. And so funny that I'm now a small business owner and I had to speak to them about how do you speak to entrepreneurs, small business owners, Mm -hmm. and what do small business owners look for in a card and what, you know, like what what types of things that they deal with in life. And it's just funny how it's full circle that I'm I'm the target market that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was in India, touchdown, and the representatives at the call center asked my boss, where's Cassandra? So I'm standing right there. They're like, where's Cassandra? And she's like, what do you think Cassandra looks like? And I always talk to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. So they think I'm a Caucasian lady with blue eyes and blonde hair. And that's what they said. They said, oh, um, blue eyes, blonde hair. Uh I don't know. But basically, they were describing a Caucasian lady. And she said, what if I told you because I'm just standing right here? And I don't know what's wrong with my mouth, but I was like, you guys thought I was here to clean the floor, didn't you? And then one of the girls goes, yeah, I actually did. 
At least she was honest. And then my boss was just like, um, and this is why, she was like, and this is why Cassandra's here to give you guys this training. So you know that in America, she's like people, and, and all over the place, she's like business owners come in all different shades and people that you might not think are in levels of authority are. Mm. And so you need to know how to speak to everyone at the same type of level and deal with everyone at the same type of level. So Cassandra's here to train you. And then the girl who said, I actually thought you were here to clean the floors. She pulled me to the side after our little talk and was like, you know, it's very bizarre because it's true. Like we have a caste system here and you would be at the bottom. Like we thought you'd be like, because the Southern Indians are mm -hmm. usually very dark, whatever. Mm -hmm. But just talking to you for a little bit, I already know that I'm going to learn so much from you. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited. Da, da, da. She was just like, we've never had training from anyone that we thought was on the bottom of the system so this is going to be interesting and what's you know to piggyback off of that there's actually a group of people i believe that they might be southern uh from the southern part of india right. called the untouchables that, and that makes know, sense right well people will like literally like they won't touch them uh, i'm not i forget what the backstory is but there's actually a youtube documentary on them mm -hmm. uh, but cash you touch on something i think is really important like I was, i've always been aware of the caste system in india and a lot of times they say that it doesn't exist anymore but no it, totally I, does. Yeah, it definitely exists it's kind of like an unofficial thing kind of like racism and classism here in the states right? right but i believe that there might be a little bit worse because of last names and things like that like they can really really um, right. discriminate for yourself being of such a chocolate rich color have you had a lot of experiences like that where people have treated you differently from your complexion and if so how do you navigate that and kind of combat it as well I guess I have to rewind to growing up where it wasn't I felt like it was more of I hated it growing up because it was not seen as good. It was like, why are you so black? Why are you always... People remember me now because I'm the darkest one, but people remember me also back then too because I was the darkest one. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I could have looked at it as like, oh, I'm really unique and I stand out. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was like, I'm so different and I'm mm -hmm. always, you know, I now... Mm -hmm. I look at it in that way as like I'm unique and I'm very memorable like mm -hmm. people always remember who I am just because I look almost, nine out of ten times I'm the darkest one in the room usually unless I'm with my other Sudanese or Senegalese or whoever that's usually uh, a darker shade than I am but more than likely I'm usually the darkest and specifically in India it's funny that you say untouchables because everybody wanted to touch me there mm -hmm. but it was like touching like a pterodactyl or some type of uh, weird like they would just like touch my hair touch my face and i allowed them to do it mm -hmm. the little kids would all run up to me we're at the taj mahal and i'm thinking they're looking at the taj mahal and they're looking at me <laughs> wow. um even in south africa i'm on the safari truck mm -hmm. and there's an asian group that passes by and i'm thinking they're taking pictures of giraffe or taking pictures of me what is going on right. so i could be offended or i could be like okay i guess i look different or i but i run into traveling a lot i mm -hmm. run into these experiences a lot so i don't really get offended per se because mm -hmm. a lot of people haven't seen black people or even of my shade or my hue up close so mm -hmm. maybe they're like you know I've never seen this before, so they can't stop staring or they want to take a picture. Whatever it is, the way that I deal with it mm -hmm. is that I turn it into like, I'm a unique, different type of person that maybe people don't see all the time. Mm -hmm. So expect to get stared at, expect to get pictures or expect to people not to know how to handle it. And they might say something that's offensive, mm -hmm. but don't take it that way because you can't help what they feel or think, but you could help how you receive it. Mm. So, yeah, I just receive it in a way that I'm unique and I'm different and I'm memorable. 
With all due respect, I think you're absolutely beautiful. And I actually personally love your skin complexion. I've told you that like multiple times. Something that you talked about, which I think is super important, especially for, you know, those others out there, other people out there who are blessed to have the same hue and the same skin complexion as you, is Mm self-esteem, you know. When you were coming up and it wasn't, I guess, so popular or, you know, what you were describing earlier, how did you navigate that early on? And who were some of your champions to enforce the fact that you're beautiful? Your cast is beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yourself. It actually took a very long time because I didn't really see any... I didn't see any models. There was no Lupitas. There was no... Mm -hmm. Alec Weck actually was the first... Alec Weck is a supermodel. She was the first very dark type of model that I saw. Mm -hmm. Um, Even Naomi Campbell, like, she seemed light-skinned to me because I'm so dark, so I couldn't really relate. At what age did you see Alec Weck? I saw her like a teenager, like late teenager age. So before then, my mom would be like, no, Cass, you're beautiful. I'm like, of course you're going to say that. You're my mom. Mm -hmm. Like... And I, oddly enough, found validation, and you're not supposed to, but I found validation from other little boys. Mm-hmm. And you, as a girl, you're not supposed to find validation from guys, but boys would be like, you're really pretty to be so dark. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that type of backhanded compliment. Mm-hmm. But at the time, when I was younger, to me, that was a compliment as opposed to you're black and ugly. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're actually pretty though, but you're really black, but you're pretty. And so it was backhanded, but I'm it was mad about that. It's it was when I'm when you're 12 or you're 11 or however old, mm-hmm. and you don't feel that you're pretty, but another little boy is like you're dark, but you're pretty. It's a backhanded compliment looking at it as an older person, but when you're younger and you don't really understand or whatever, it gave me some type of like okay, they still said I'm pretty. Right. They didn't say that I'm so black and ugly. Like I'm still pretty even though I'm black. Mm-hmm. So that was my first like okay, maybe I am pretty from other little boys mm-hmm. and my dad and that's why also my dad started telling me later and like when i was an older teenager but i really encourage black males with daughters no matter what age please like constantly tell them that they're beautiful and that they're amazing and when i it's not my dad never told me but his love language is not to express it in that way mm-hmm. so i heard it from other my peers as opposed to him when I was like a little bit older. So just a small aside to those who have daughters that are listening, please tell them that they're beautiful no matter what hue of skin they have, just so they don't get validation from other little boys. Mm. Love it. That is so, it's so beautiful. And I like the fact that you, you know, were able to pick the positive out of everything. Cause that's what I'm hearing from you on a consistent basis, you know, throughout this conversation is that no matter what's being said to you, you're taking the positive of your experience and saying, you know what, this is how I receive it. You're in control mm-hmm. and, and, and empowered by that. I feel like wherever you go, people absolutely love you. And you have like the most amazing energy. I told you, you were like one of the most amazing humans I ever met. And you thought that I was kidding. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> But I'm curious, what's the secret to Coach Cass's happiness? Dancing, I guess. Dancing. And the secret to my happiness is doing what I love. And I love to dance. And I love to work out. And I love to help people. And I love seeing other people happy or smiling. And so there's, I actually said this the other day, there's five things that I do every day. And Mm -hmm. I think that helps to me being happy um, is dance. It's work out. It's pray. It's help somebody. And I can't remember what the fifth one was, but it's something along those lines. Either I'm helping somebody or I'm 
dancing or working out or something. One of those things you'll find me doing every day. And that's why what I'm doing now is so purposeful to me because no matter how hard it gets or how challenging it is, it's I'm living in my purpose and on purpose, as my, my sister Jovi and Zane would say. She... Mm-hmm. Jovizi. Yes. Okay. So I want to switch modes a little bit and kind of get into Coach Cass and, and the business of Coach Cass. How big is your team and how did you go about assembling your team? I know it's you, your mom, and your sister, but you talked about having a team that's bigger than right. just the family. We have lawyers on the team. We have strategic advisors on the team. We have social media interns. We have instructors. We have 200 instructors, actually. That are certified in KUKWA. That are certified in KUKWA, right. Mm-hmm that are around the world and then we have local instructors so because we travel so much we have other instructors that help us sub our classes and have their own classes so that is what our team is kind of comprised of finance person social media person law person uh, strategic advisors and then we also have our africa with us teams Mm -hmm. so like our local country ambassadors so like our ground team. So we have our community service people, like those people who are in touch with the villages for like giving donations and this and that. We have our restaurants and our vendors of people that we support, whether they're local family or friends that we support. Mm-hmm. We have our welcome committee team. So people that are there, whether the people are in country with us or we're doing a custom trip and we're not with them. People that welcome people into the country. So our on ground ambassador, Africa with us people, that's also part of our team. Sound like you rocking about five hundred people or something like so, that. So <laughs> <laughs> they're all at different times. Like our core team, I want to say is like ten people mm-hmm. that I'm always talking to like every day. Yeah. But if we're in Ghana, then I'm talking to the ground team there more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I'm in Zimbabwe or wherever we are, it mm-hmm. depends. Like we're gonna be in Indonesia in the end of um, November. And you're leaving to Kenya next week. Yes. <laughs> and so I've been in contact actually all this morning. I was in contact with Kenya team and a Tanzania team to make sure that things are in place because mm-hmm. we're taking a group there next week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How do you balance so many people in, in so many different places and kind of switching molds? Like, does everyone take on like a team or managing a team? Or are you like the point person for all? Like, how does that work? Actually working that out now, the balancing, because me and my mom and we have an operations manager he helps as well too Mm -hmm. and my sister like we're like the point people because my role in advertising used to be i was a producer Mm -hmm. and so i'm very used to managing different teams and different pieces of a puzzle working at once Mm -hmm. so i even though we have somebody delegated to certain things at the end of the day i end up being the like final point person or say So I'm trying to, that's a personal thing of me, like, letting go, letting other people do it Mm -hmm. fully. Mm -hmm. Like, I let other people do it, but fully is the word. Like, let them really do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's still a work in progress. Got you. What are some of the things that you wish you knew before jumping into being an entrepreneur? That you don't have to have everything together right away. Like, it's a a step-by-step thing. And I saw my mom do it growing up too but she also had my dad to help support her too and like it was a little bit different but I just wish that I didn't have to have everything all right away and that me going into that accelerated program that Institute of Integrated Nutrition Mm -hmm. really helped me to set up like they helped me with my website they helped me with business cards they helped me with proposals and like they really set me up after graduation for like 
a good way into being successful. But I, I was looking at my peers who had already been in it for like years and mm -hmm. thinking that I need to be at the same level. Mm -hmm. So one, just not comparing. Two, that you have to have your niche mm -hmm. and you have to stay true to that niche. Mm -hmm. And you have to stay in your lane or else you'll literally crash. Love that. What made you finally make the leap from working in advertisement into entrepreneurship? The balancing act that I couldn't do anymore. Mm. I would leave work, go teach, come back into the office at like 12 a.m., stay in the office till 3 a.m., turn around, go personal train at 6 a.m. Like it was nuts. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't put the same amount of energy anymore. And then traveling started to pick up and I actually got in trouble. My boss was like, <laughs> he was like, can I talk to you for a second? I said, oh, oh God. <laughs> like, um, so you can't really be taking just sabbaticals like this. Like you just one moment here and the next moment there and i would have coverage mm -hmm. and i would make sure you know things were done but yeah. i was already living like i was on my own dime my own schedule mm -hmm. and he was kind of like what do you want to do because our, my, the clients really like you and that's why i'm having this conversation with you we're gonna have layoffs soon and i need to know do you want to stay here what do you want to do You're right and so i quit that day actually oh wow but he knew it. He could tell. I mean, and I, I started to become a point where I didn't. I was like wearing workout spandex to the office, and I just like I was just not there. And mm -hmm. people knew it. Like we would come into a meeting, and people would be asking me about like workout plans and stuff, and not what we were talking about, not the like scope of work or what we were trying to do. Like they would talk to me about other stuff. Sure. So the day I quit, it wasn't a surprise to anybody. They were like, "Oh, we know what you're doing," mm -hmm. and a lot of them became my clients too. Awesome. Which was funny. I love hearing that. <laughs> so the universe basically aligned for you. Well, I think that that says a lot about a person. So we had someone on recently and he was describing how he left his job. Mm -hmm. And when he left, his former employee became his client and it was like a huge contract. And so I always, I'm always curious as to what was it that you were doing to make these people, your coworkers, et cetera, say, you know what? I believe in what you're doing. I want you to train me or I want to be your client. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that just speaks so much to the work ethic and the character of the person. But what specifically was Coach Cass Fit doing? I, I think they, they they would just see me around the off. Like, I would be there early because I would just finish personal training. But then I would be doing, sometimes I'd be at my desk doing little workouts at my desk. Like, I would be, you know how people show you things that you could do at your desk? Mm -hmm. Like, or I would do those those things, whether it's squats or whatever. I'd be doing those things. They, I would pack my little baggies with, and I would post it on social media. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm bringing to lunch today. And, and these people follow me too. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, she actually does this. And people that, I would go teach class and come back during lunchtime and after work. And those people in those classes and stuff, they didn't even know I had a quote unquote real job. They just thought that I taught class and did whatever like they didn't know that i also had a corporate job but my corporate job people knew that i would leave to go teach i'd be like guys i know we have a meeting right now but i'll be back because i need to go to this class i'll be back <laughs> like i would actually legit say that but the corporate culture and that's how i also got into corporate wellness because people saw the value of they're like that's why you're always happy and bubbly and sparkly because in you would leave and come back and just be even so much more excited than when you left mm -hmm. because I would have my lunchtime high and then come back to a meeting or whatever and not be stressed. Whereas they would crash at, with their coffee at like three or four o'clock right. and I would just be, you know, ready to go. But I had to go into the next phase, which was no more balancing this, mm -hmm. but go all the way into it. And you still do that on your Instagram and your social media now. You're posting the workouts, you're posting yourself cooking and things like that. And you're 
your morning workout every single morning. So how do you stay consistent on social media? Um, people make me stay consistent. I have people that send me messages all the time like, I wasn't going to do anything today, but I saw your post or thank you so much for getting me back on track. I have no idea that I'm getting somebody back on track, but right. they're following me and they're, you know, this girl sent me transformation pictures of when she first started following me and then two months later. And I'm like, wow. And I have no idea. I've never talked to her. Mm -hmm. She just, I started a challenge in April called Adore Your Core. And she's like, I was doing your Adore Your Core challenge. And that's when I first discovered you. And ever since then, I've been, you know, following. And, you know, when I, I always struggle with enjoying the moment and capturing it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of creative people do because sometimes you just want to be in the moment and you don't want to capture it. But sometimes somebody's only lens to that experience or to that is you. So I actually force myself and make myself capture things or do things because I know somebody else. Like I made a commitment to help other people. So no matter how much, no matter how I feel, I have to help them. So even if I, you know, my hair is looking crazy or my eyes or whatever's looking crazy, I gotta get on camera and do it for somebody else because I made a commitment to help other people. Mm, love it. How do you manage and maintain your mental health? Because you are responsible uh, or you've taken on the responsibility, you know, of so many others and you need to do these things. But we all experience burnout and stuff like that. So, you know, how do you stay motivated? How do you manage your mental health and make sure that you are able to be consistent? Because I've had the opportunity to know you. I feel like your consistency is so remarkable and I really appreciate and respect it. And so how? How Coach Cass? <laughs> Um, I consistently party. <laughs> when I say party, I'm a carnival head. Um, the reason why I like carnival so much because it's the epitome of letting your hair down. So for me personally, it might not be for somebody else, but for me personally, I like those type of outlets where I could just be like crazy and let go. And I like the energy of people or whatnot. Those type of things, vacation wise and letting go or going to a soca fet or going to a African party or a old school hip hop party or whatever it is, I like to party and let loose, but not at the expense of, of my clients or my business, but at my mental health, I need that to keep me sane. Mm -hmm. So I work hard and I play hard as well. That keeps me mentally sane. And then health wise, like working out keeps me, if I'm going for a run or I, um, you know, just did a session yoga or taking other people's classes or the, it makes me happy and keeps me sane. So Doing things that make me happy, which is part of those five things I mentioned. And partying is one of them because I like to dance and I like to have a good time. So, yeah. And then traveling, seeing other places that also gives me life and makes me happy. Mentally, it stimulates me too. Okay. How do you handle critics and naysayers of what your career choice or passion is? If they even exist for you? I actually experienced quite a bit of negativity through people will like direct message me hateful things. Really? Mm -hmm. And it's back to my skin complexion or it's back to, oh, you can't really dance or something. Some of those things. But I actually don't find it offensive. I just find that person needs help or there something's wrong with the person. Hmm. Because for you to take time to to put down somebody else means that you're feeling a way about yourself. So I, I actually... For you to find something about me or you to take that time, that means that I, I'm of some significance to you. So that's a compliment right. in itself. And then two, you know, when somebody says that you can't do something, they only say that because they can't do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's unfortunate that you can't do that. 
but I can. So, you know, when you feel like you can, then speak to me. But <laughs> if you can't, then just stay over there because I'm going to do it. And if you have something negative to say, it's not about what you say, but it's about how I receive it. So I can choose to let it bother me or I could choose to, you know, just go my way and keep praying for you and other people that have problems. I'm so happy I asked you that question. <laughs> I, I just I appreciate your your answer to it and a lot of what you're saying is just about receiving and you know really being in control of yourself so I admire that discipline about you that you are instilling uh, to our audience now as we're listening I'm trying hard not to tear up though oh um, who are some of your um your sheroes that you look up to um well my mom is one of my number one Lady sheroes K. Lady, Lady K, K. <laughs> She's my business partner and my bestie and my mom and my everything. I just really look up to her because she all by herself, like put together. She's the only African woman I know that has been in the fitness industry. It's like she's literally a pioneer in the fitness industry. She put together her own certification program. Right. She put together the first online certification program before Alpha and Ace even put it online. Like she before who? AFA and ACE, which is like a nationally recognized um, um, American Fitness Association of America. Mm -hmm. um, and then ACE, ACE stands for, I forgot what ACE stands for, but they're nationally recognized with um, personal training and group exercise. Mm -hmm. Before they even went online, my mom had already done that online. And I was like, I'm just so proud of her because she, she did all of this without going to school for it. Like she just figured out how to do it. So yeah, she's my biggest shero, and some of my other sheroes, Oprah's one, Maya Angelou was one, Debbie Allen is another one. But all these people have something in common, which is they came from a place that wasn't ideal, and they made it ideal, and they are so positive and pushed forward no matter what anybody says. They just kept with what they knew their purpose and passion was and made such a positive impact. That's amazing. So what advice would you give to others who want to become fitness gurus and entrepreneurs like yourself? I would tell them to make sure that they are true to themselves and that they, what I mentioned earlier about staying in your lane because you are your secret sauce. You are what stands out. And there's a million, it might not be a million, but there's always another of somebody else in your industry. Whether it's fitness, whether it's art, whatever it is, there's always another one. So you have to be true to yourself to know that you can't compare to them. You can't feel like, oh, the industry's saturated and I'm not gonna do well. You know your strength and you know what you're good at and people choose you and work with you because you're you. So you have to keep reminding yourself that and you have to literally stay in your lane because if you're not in your lane, you're looking at other people's lanes, that's how you crash. So I would tell any entrepreneur or person that wants to be successful in their own business to stay true to first of all why they're starting the business because times get rough and it's not always cloudy skies so you got to remember your why and then two don't compare with others in the same industry because you're the secret sauce in your industry so you got to stay true to that okay. Cass for you what does your peer group look like I have some bosses in my peer group I, I would say who inspire me on a daily I have VPs of companies in my peer group, doctors, lawyers, other very successful entrepreneurs. But the one thing that everybody in my peer group has in common is that they enjoy life to the fullest and don't care about what other people say. And if you do care about what other people say and you are a bump on the log, more than likely we won't hang out. Mm. 
or I probably don't talk to you much. And if I do talk to you much and you're in that category, that's because I feel like you might need some help or motivation. So you're more of a client than a peer. Mm -hmm. But my peer group or my close group of friends inspire me to do better. And I feel, I hope I would do the same for them. Love it. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Career, hobby, or anything that you've always wanted to pursue? Well, I guess going back to what we talked about in the beginning about me wanting to work at the World Bank or IMF, I don't know if it would be those companies specific, but I know that it would be something along the lines of helping a third world country or a nonprofit or something. It's funny that Cassandra means helper of mankind. I don't know that. I like helping people. I help them in wellness ways, but I would be helping them in finance ways mm -hmm. because that's what I studied and that's what I had leaned towards before. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what I would be doing, helping them from a, maybe private equity, investing in certain businesses or something. Love it. I got to know, what is the secret to your social media success? You have to do three things for people. Or you have to do either one of three things for people. Mm -hmm. You have to either educate them mm -hmm. or entertain them mm -hmm. or I guess help. Helping and educating is the same thing. But if you do something on your social media that makes them better or if it doesn't make them better, it makes them laugh. Or if it doesn't make them laugh, you're just like flat out entertaining or motivating mm -hmm. something people follow you for a reason and it's one of those things like every time they come to your page they get something mm -hmm. or they're laughing or they're entertained or something some people you're like what are they doing but you're entertained by what they're posting right so they have a lot of followers because they're maybe you might not learn anything but they might give you that comedic relief that you need for the day and with me personally because i do dance and fitness i might post a dance video doing a dance to a song that I really like. And maybe you're not a dancer, but you might feel the energy from that dance, or maybe you might learn a move or two from that. Maybe I posted what I had for lunch and you weren't really sure you're starting your wellness path and you're not sure what to eat, but you're like, let me go to Caspay and see what she had today because maybe I can have that. So I noticed that the more I started to post, whether it was my personal life or helping people, that's how other people will tag their friends and say, hey, you should follow her too because she helped me do this or, oh, I learned how to do this dance move I didn't know before or something of that nature mm -hmm. and whatever industry you're in if your goal is to help then you need to post videos that help if your goal is to entertain then you need to entertain whatever it is in your industry that's what you need to be posting more of because that's why people follow you and even straight up ask why do you follow me and people will tell you why and then they'll give you more insight and how do you balance you know your social media in terms of personal and professional life it's hard because it kind of runs into <laughs> it's like integrated right? some Somebody asked me, like, do you have a personal Instagram and a business Instagram? And I was like, I was thinking about it. But then every single thing I do personally is also business wise. But then at my Africa trips, we have a specific page for Africa with us because it was getting lost in my personal. Because even if I was in Africa, it was getting muddled with my other fitness and dance and other mm -hmm. stuff. So we have a page specifically dedicated to the Africa trips because I'm doing what I would do even if I wasn't to get paid. Mm -hmm. It runs into each other so when I post myself at a party I might be dancing but I'm also helping somebody else people come up to me at a party and be like can you teach me this move da, da, da. so I'm actually essentially still working because those same people come to my class mm -hmm. so it's like it really runs hand in hand it's so hard for me to separate it sometimes mm -hmm. but um, the times where I'll separate it is might maybe in a contractual sense if somebody asks me to do something and there needs to be contracts or something mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the purpose of my social media is to educate and 
and inspire and motivate. And so everything I post does one of those things. And if it doesn't, then somebody needs to ask me why, because it has to do one of those. That was the purpose of me having that social media. So if it doesn't, then I need to open a different account. Love it. What would you say are some of the success hacks that everyone should know? One, to never cry over spilled milk. The milk is spilled and, you know, you just get a napkin and figure out how you're not going to spill it again. I love that analogy. And Thank you. Another thing is I mentioned before about staying in your lane and not comparing. And it's very easy to do that with social media because you constantly see others. So you really have to have tunnel vision when it comes to your success path. Another thing is constantly humbling yourself and learning like you've never made it you you should always be learning and reading and experiencing other people's things and you know taking advice because in Ghana we call it too known we should never be too known like you know everything and you're you've made it to the top another thing is you shouldn't always be the teacher you should also be a student so mm -hmm. those people and your peers around you should encourage that too love that and the other thing that I would say that you're also highlighting is, is, you know, when you said don't be too known, you mm -hmm. know, you're focusing on progress and not perfection. So consistently progressing mm -hmm. in life, you know, and not necessarily too concerned with being perfect or being, you know, the most known and stuff like that. Just continuing to grow and evolve. That's pretty dope. Was there ever any point that you were going to give up or felt that things were too much? When, why, and how did you push past that? I don't necessarily broadcast those times on social media. I might say, oh, I'm not having the best day right now and this is how I'm dealing with it. But I, I'm a believer that what you give energy to just grows. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want to give as much energy to those things that were getting me down. There were certain sponsorships that didn't come through, so it put me in financial binds. Certain people that made commitments to me that I did didn't bind contractually. And that's also, it's just lessons learned. I learned through going through these tough times that everything is a lesson or a blessing. It's not a regret. It's not a like, this shouldn't have happened. It's like those bad things that happened to me, whether it was sponsorships falling through or people that said they were going to do something and they didn't and put me in a bind financially or business-wise, we were able to get a lawyer team and we were able to figure out how to now have the proper contracts in place. And maybe if those bad things didn't happen, we wouldn't have had that. Mm -hmm. I had a bad time in 2014 when I left corporate initially, maybe like eight months in, there was a certain contract that was supposed to go through and it didn't and I was really depending on it. That's another advice for entrepreneurs, like don't always put your eggs in one bucket when you're not sure about something. Well, Create Your Life family, that was Coach Cass Fit here with us today. As you know, we will be back. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.